Hello, and welcome back to the Barefoot Books Podcast. No one dares to challenge cruel King Lorcan's laws. No one except Aiden. Find out if Aiden can outwit the king and save Ireland in this week's tale. After the story, go to barefootbooks.com to find the complete tales from Old Ireland Collection, along with songs, activities, coloring sheets, and more. This story is called Son of an Otter, Son of a Wolf. Long ago, there was a king of Ireland named Cormac, who ruled wisely and well. One summer, he decided to make a tour of the island, spending a while in each of his palaces. His wife went with him, but his three beautiful daughters asked to stay behind to enjoy the warm weather at home. While the cat's away, the mice will play, and so it was with the daughters. There was a big lake below the palace, and nothing would satisfy them but to go swimming there, although they had been often warned not to. While they were in the middle of the lake one day, a great otter raised his head. The girls made for the shore as fast as they could, but the otter overtook the youngest and swam alongside her. When the day came for King Cormac to return, his daughter stepped out to meet him. But when the youngest went to kiss her father, he drew back. Get out of my sight, girl, he shouted. Three months ago, when I left you, there was a maiden's look in your eye, but now I see that you are with child. Crying and moaning, the girl told her father what had happened with the otter. I believe you, said the king at last. It could not have been avoided, and it may all turn out for the best. Time went by, and the girl gave birth to a fine young boy. The old king was delighted, for his only son had died many years before. He called the boy Lorcan, and he carried him on his shoulders everywhere he went. The boy was given all that he asked for, and he grew strong and healthy, but spoiled. One day, when Lorcan was eight years old, he was walking along the lakeshore with the king when Cormac complained that he felt tired. You are growing old, father, said Lorcan, for he only knew the king as his father. Perhaps it would be better to hand your crown over to me. I could look after everything for you, and I'd be happy to let you stay in the palace. Bide your time, boy, said the king gently. You will rule the country soon enough. A while later, they were out again together and at the end of the day the king complained of aches and pains. Let me be king, said Lorcan, then you can rest at home. I shall not do so while I live, said Cormac, but you are like a son to me, Lorcan. Wait patiently, and you shall take my place in due course. At that the boy became angry. I want the crown, and I want it now, he yelled. If you don't give me it willingly, old man, I shall take it by force. He left the king, stomped off down the road, and in the late evening he came to the house of Fionn McCool, the leader of the Fianna. Fionn McCool, said Lorcan, for he feared no one, I will work for you for a year and a day, and if you find any fault with me, you may pay me what you wish. But if you find no fault, I shall choose my own reward. It's a deal, said Fionn, shaking his hand, thinking he would surely find some fault in the boy over the course of a year. Lorcan did everything he was asked. No matter what task he set the lad, Fionn can find no fault with him. When the year and a day were up, he called Lorcan and said, I will pay you as we agreed. What do you choose as your reward? All I ask is for you to fight King Cormac, replied Lorcan, for I want his crown. My very own king, cried Fionn. How could I fight him? But he had made the deal and he had to stick to it. Now, while Lorcan had been away, King Cormac's wife had died. The king no longer wanted to leave his throne to Lorcan, and he hoped that by remarrying he might provide a son and heir. 
He had taken a fancy to the youngest daughter of the blacksmith, and when he heard that Lurkin and Fionn were preparing to fight him, he married her within the week. You had better go home to your father, the king told his new wife. I might be killed in this battle, and who knows what will happen then. He told her where he had hidden a basket of gold and silver, and he gave her a belt on which he had inscribed, Aidan, son of Cormac. If God sends you a son, and I pray that he will, put this belt on him. When he is old enough to read, he will know who his father was, and he will lay claim to his rights from the thief who is coming to take his place. The hour of the battle arrived. It was a day of great bloodshed, and many were killed, including King Cormac. The lords of the land met to see what was to be done, and decided that, despite what had happened, Lorcan was lawful heir to the throne, for Cormac had always considered him his son. And so it was that the son of an otter came to rule Ireland. Lorcan was a very different kind of king than Cormac, and soon everyone hated him. The wind changed to the north, the land refused to yield crops, and the people were hungry. Lorcan would not help them, and if they fell behind with their rent, he threw them into prison. In time, the smith's daughter gave birth to King Cormac's son. She hid in a wood for fear of the new king, and she put the belt Cormac had given her around the infant. No sooner had she done so than, to her horror, a she-wolf appeared. The creature picked the boy up in her mouth and ran off, and the poor woman had no chance of saving him. The wolf carried the child to her cave, licked him to keep him warm, and suckled him alongside her own three cubs. The child was happy enough with the wolves. He lived with them for a year, and on fine days they would leave the cave and play together. One day some hunters happened to pass close by and caught sight of the wolf lying on her back on the grass playing with the child and the cubs. The wolf smelled the men and flew to their hidden cave, but the hunters caught the child. The boy scratched and scraped them, but they were determined to hold on to him. They brought him to an old nobleman who lived close by. The nobleman and his wife had never had children and were overjoyed to be given the child, wild as he was. They called him Aidan, for that was the name on his belt, and brought him up as their own. They never thought that he might be the son of a king, for Cormac was a common name in those times. The old couple looked after him well, and in time Aidan grew bigger and stronger than all the other boys in the parish. The son of one of the men who had found him overheard his father talking, and taking a dislike to Aidan, for he didn't like to be beaten by him in games, called him Son of the Wolf. Aidan went home that night and asked his parents why the other children were laughing at him and calling him such a name. You were found in the woods with a wolf and three cubs, said the nobleman. The hunters left you here to bring us joy and to be heir to my lands. Had I nothing to tell where I came from, asked Aidan. You are naked as the day you were born, said the woman, except for a belt tied around your waist. Show it to me, Aidan said. So the nobleman fetched the belt and gave it to the boy. Aidan, son of Cormac, he read. I'm no son of a wolf. I'm the son of King Cormac himself, and I'm going to claim his lands. Oh, Aidan, said the nobleman, just because your father was called Cormac doesn't mean he was the old king. But the boy wouldn't listen. The nobleman and his wife warned him that it would be madness to challenge the cruel Lorcan, but he would have none of it. I'm not your true son and you can't stop me, he said. I know well enough how to look after myself. So the next morning, with a good meal in his belly and their sad farewells ringing in his ears, he took to the road. By evening he came to a small house. He saw an old man herding his sheep, and little did he know that it was the blacksmith, his own true grandfather.
Hello, sir, said Aidan. Have you any idea where King Cormac used to live? Over there, said the old man, pointing to a fine palace, though he's dead these fifteen years. A thief who hasn't given us peace day or night has stolen his crown. The weather's bad and the crops are worse, and the new king has made a law that if these three little sheep of mine go into his land, he'll keep them. He sounds like a cruel man to have as a king, said the boy. The man invited Aidan to stay the night. The boy had eaten his fill and was stretched out in his chair, nodding off, when he heard a noise. And there was the youngest of the smith's three daughters staring at his belt. What are you looking at, he asked, and why are you crying? I married King Cormac just before he was killed, sobbed the woman. He gave me that belt and told me if I had a child to put it on him so that he would know who his father was. A wolf took my sweet boy and I've never had trace nor tidings of him since. Then you are my mother, cried Aidan, and I am home. The woman was delighted and she threw her arms around him. Come quick, everyone, she called. I found my long-lost son, the child of King Cormac. The family stayed up late, drinking whiskey and celebrating. During the night, the talk turned to the wicked king and how someone had to sit up every night telling him stories. If they didn't satisfy him, they were hanged in the morning. Run out and check the sheep, said the old man to one of his daughters at first light. Soon she was back with the news that there was a hole in the wall and no sign of the sheep. What will I do now, cried the old man. The king will hold on to them and they're my only wealth in the world. I'll tell you what, said Aidan. Go up there and plead with him. If he won't give them back, ask him to leave the decision about who should keep them to the first man who comes along. So the old man went up and begged the king for his sheep, but Lorcan would not listen. I checked the whole length of that wall only yesterday, said the smith. One of your soldiers must have pulled it down on purpose. How about if we leave it to the first man that comes along this road to decide what is just? All right, said the king, for he knew that no one in their right mind would have the courage to oppose his laws. They waited and waited, and along came King Cormac's son. Hold there, stranger, said the king, and told him of the law and how he planned to keep the three sheep. What do you say now? Isn't it only fair and just to uphold the law? We should all keep the law, said the boy, when the law is fair, but I'm not so sure about this one. Why don't you shear the sheep instead and keep the wool in return for the grass they ate? The king scowled, but he had to keep to his word, so he agreed. Two days later, he summoned the old man to tell him stories all night. This is his revenge, said the blacksmith sadly. He'll kill me for sure. I'll go instead, said Aidan. I have plenty of stories for him. No, cried the old man. You are too young to die. He won't kill me as easily as you think, said the boy, thrusting his sword into his scabbard. Take your ease and stay at home. I've come to tell you stories, said Aidan, when he was brought to the king's room. The old blacksmith was taken ill. Very well, said Lorcan, stretched out on a bed of birds down by the fire. But you'd better be good. He turned his face to the wall with the sheets drawn up over his head, and the boy began. When dawn was breaking the next morning, the king turned to face him. Not bad, said he. Thank you, said Aidan. But I don't believe you heard the half of what I told you, for you were sleeping most of the night. I was not, said the king. I haven't closed my eyes in sleep these seven years at least. Then, said the youth, you must be half an otter, for they're the only creatures I know that never sleep. The king's face turned red with anger. Don't say that again, boy, he cried, or it'll be the last thing you say. If your mother's alive, said Aidan, go and ask her. 
The king went out of the room and came back in a few minutes. She says I came from King Cormac, he said triumphantly. He's my father. The king asked Aidan to come back again the next night, and as before, he covered his head while the boy went on with his stories. In the morning, the king praised Aidan again for his storytelling, and Aidan replied that he couldn't have heard the half of it, for he'd been asleep. I heard every word, said the king. Then you must be half a nutter, as I told you before. I warned you not to say that again, cried the king, reaching for his sword. I have a sword too, cried the boy, drawing first and holding the point to the king's throat. Don't kill me, cried the king desperately. I'll give you anything you want. Go back to your mother, ordered Aidan, and tell her that you must know the truth about your father. So Lorcan went to his mother with Aidan by his side, and the king told her that she must be truthful or the boy would kill him. The old woman told Lorcan about the day that she and her sisters went bathing and how the otter came to her. The boy's right, she finished sadly. You are no son of King Cormac. I always knew there was something strange about me, said Lorcan slowly. I can never sleep, and yet I need to sleep. My tiredness puts me in such awful rages that I do the cruelest things. I know, said the woman quietly. I've always been afraid to tell you where you came from, for fear of your anger. Up spoke Aidan. Before another week is out, I could give you the power of sleep, King Lorcan. That is what I wish for more than anything, said the king. If you can help me sleep, I will give you half my possessions and the crown after my death. It's a deal, said the boy, and he persuaded the king to put it in writing. Have you any good boats? Plenty, said the king. Fetch one and bring it here, said the boy. Anchor it in the middle of the lake, make your bed on deck, and I promise that you will sleep. And so it was done. The boat was brought, a bed of bird's down was made up on the open deck, and King Lorcan lay down to sleep. Three days and three nights he slept, and he never woke. And what was in the lake but his father? The great otter caught the smell of his long-lost son, came up in the night and dragged King Lorcan down to the very bottom of the lake. When the servants went to check the king the next morning, they could find no trace of him. The king has disappeared, they said, and only Aidan knew where he had gone. He went to the lords of the land and showed them the letter that King Lorcan had written, passing the crown to him in the event of his death. And in time they agreed that since the king was gone and he had no son and heir, the boy could be king in his place. Aidan sent for the nobleman and his wife to come and end their days with him. He invited his grandfather, his mother and her sisters as well. Then he put out an invitation to the four quarters of his kingdom. Rich and poor gathered. Festivities took place as had never been seen in Ireland before, and the people were overjoyed that a new young king was ruling over them. And that's how Son of a Wolf replaced Son of an Otter as King of all Ireland. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now you can visit barefootbooks.com slash podcast to find special offers, join our email list, and listen to past episodes of the Barefoot Books podcast. See you next week. Bye.